I was just at a new friend's place and uh, he's dating a girl. She brings over her dog and the dog's name was Wheezy. <laughs> Classic. And, they, and I go, did you name your song after the Jeffersons? And they didn't even know what the Jeffersons was. Really? Was like, I'm getting old. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, I'm Jalen Rhodes, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. Do me a favor. Make sure you leave us a review. Share an episode with a friend, a coworker, a sibling a family member, and also make sure you're not being selfish and you are sharing this good old-fashioned soul food. And here's the deal. There's a reason why each show not only has a guest, but has a theme, because we wanted to make sure it had a beginning, a middle, and an end. And like I always say, from the great Karis One, teach us teach and do the world good. Kings just rule and most are never understood. This week's theme is embrace your moment. Sports fan or not, if you have social media, if you have a television or been on the internet, I know. You saw LSU beat Iowa in this year's Women's Collegiate Basketball Championship. You know how I know? It was the most viewed game in the history of the sport. There have been thousands of posts and tweets, and it was capped by a discussion where Angel Reese, who has the most double-doubles in the history of the women's game, and is currently a champion, has been vilified by so many people by celebrating like a college kid. And she waved her hand in front of her face like you can't see me. For those that know, Flava Flav started it. Tony Yayo did it. John Cena copied it. And she chose to do it while pointing at her ring finger against the player of the year, Caitlin Clark, who's been torching the Big Ten, torching the NCAA, and doing it in trash talk, legendary fashion. And guess what? I love Angel Reese, and I love Caitlin Clark. This is great for their sport, but I want to make sure I acknowledge something. 
appreciate us in our full glory. When Magic Johnson played against Larry Bird, Michigan State versus Indiana State, I want to highlight something that's very important. While collegiate sports and professional sports, in particular, basketball and football, are dominated and are sports that are majority black, the opposite of hockey, the opposite of golf. When you have a white player that's dominant, it brings in more viewers. So there's no surprise that the highest rated game in the history of collegiate basketball was Magic Johnson versus Larry Bird. Or the Fab Five in the University of Michigan versus Christian Leitner and Bobby Hurley. By the way, shout to UConn and Dan Hurley, who won the national championship over my former associate head coach, Brian Dutcher, and the San Diego State Aztecs. So when LSU is playing against Iowa, a black woman that's a champion, had the nerve in many people's estimation to celebrate and taunt her white opponent. The same opponent who talks trash and does the same thing. That's what makes both of them great. So for anybody who overstates what happens, that's what takes place in sports. Aggression, enthusiasm, emotion, taunting. Yeah, she could have got a tech, but it doesn't take away from the fact LSU won the championship. They deserve to celebrate how they want to celebrate. And her audio bite is classic. Well, she acknowledges. I'm too hood. I'm too ghetto. Y'all told me that all year. But when other people do it, y'all don't say nothing. So this was for the girls that look like me. That's going to speak up on what they, they believe in. It's unapologetically you. I've been there. I have been there. I have been vilified. I have been that young player that was too brash, too cocky, talked too much trash, and had the nerve to do it as a member of the Fab Five versus the beloved Duke Blue Devils. So I sympathize with Angel Reese, and I celebrate with her because she's coming back for another season. So is Caitlin Clark. And guess what? It's great for the game. Because you know what she did? Embrace her moment. My next guest is someone who embraces his past role as a teen heartthrob and his new role as a hero in a new inspirational thriller movie. Coming up. I talked to Jesse Metcalf about the TV shows that shaped his childhood, his appreciation for his cult classic movie, John Tucker Must Die, and why he chose to join the cast 
of Prime Video's new film, On a Wing and a Prayer. Up next, Jesse Metcalf. Let's go. My next guest is a SAG award-winning actor and producer who's kicking off his career with heartthrob roles on Passion, Desperate Housewives, and the 2006 hit comedy, John Tucker Must Die. In recent years, he starred in a number of TV shows and movies for the Hallmark Network like Chesapeake Shores, Harmony from the Heart, and Martha's Vineyard's Mysteries. Also, there's more. He's set to appear in the upcoming True Life Survival film On a Wing and a Prayer, which premieres. And make sure y'all check this out on Amazon Prime, April 7th. It is my honor to welcome the incredible rocking the cardigan sweater, Jesse Metcalf to the Renaissance Man podcast. What up, my brother? How are you, man? It's great to be here. Good. I appreciate the love and thank you for taking the time. You've been killing them in the game. I'm a huge fan of yours and I wanted to make sure I had you on the show. So thank you for taking the time. Of course. It's great to be here. So I did some research on you, been all in your business, and I realized that you were born in Carmel Valley, California, and raised in Waterford, Connecticut. So please give me a snapshot of what your childhood was like. Wow. Um, haven't had a question like that in a while. You know, I had a pretty, I had a pretty idyllic uh, childhood. Um, Connecticut's a great place to grow up. Um, you know, I went to public, I was a public school kid, uh, played sports growing up, uh, went to New York University, uh, and was in the Tisch School of the Arts for film and television. That's where I uh, developed a passion for acting, um, came to LA and basically the rest is history. So there's multiple follow-up questions, if you don't mind. What sports did you play? Uh, mostly basketball basketball and uh, baseball. So tell me about your favorite moment playing both sports. Uh, my favorite moment um, playing baseball was probably Little League uh, when we uh, won the championship. Um, and uh, I actually hit one out uh in that in that championship game <laughs> that was a that's that's my big one of my biggest moments of my life <laughs> i'm just kidding no question one you of know, the things this one of the hardest things to do in life is to hit a live baseball <laughs> tell me about it seriously it was a lot easier back then when the pitches were coming in you know in the <laughs> mid 70s tops <laughs> So who were some of your favorite baseball players? Who were some of your favorite basketball players and why? 
Okay, well, my favorite baseball player growing up was Donnie Baseball, Don Mattingly. Mm, legend. I was a big Yankees fan growing up. And, you know, as a lot of people know, if you live in Connecticut, between Massachusetts and New York, uh, there's a huge Red Sox-Yankees rivalry going on mm -hmm. in that state. So yes. uh, I had a lot of fun with that, you know, with my friends growing up. No doubt. And Donnie Baseball is definitely a legend. No doubt about it. So when you hit your home run, did you had did you have a trot? Did you have a theme song? You know what, man? I in that moment <laughs> I was out of body. I I wasn't thinking about a theme song. I was like, you know, I was in another world. <laughs> <laughs> so what were the TV shows and movies that influenced you in your passion for the arts at a young age? All right. That's a wow. Another great question, man. Um, the television series that I could not miss growing up uh, was the Wonder Years. Mm. I don't I don't know why that show resonated with me so much, but I absolutely love that show. I was a huge, huge, huge TV watcher growing up. So, I mean, I watched everything under the sun. I mean, the first Another show that really influenced me from a comedic perspective was Three's Company. Mm. I wasn't allowed to watch the show. My mom, I had to sneak watching the show because my mom thought that the show was sexist. And I was a little <laughs> too adult for me at the time. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I watched I watched everything, man. Um, and then the, the first movie that I saw that I think made me made me conscious of, you know, film as an art form, as opposed to just entertainment, uh, was The Breakfast Club. Mm. Um, that movie really resonated with me as a kid. I saw it in the theaters. My dad, my dad took me to see that movie. And uh, I think that, yeah, that's what, that's what sparked my interest and made me think about wanting to be a part of the entertainment industry. So Three's Company has one of my favorite theme songs of all time. And as a TV watcher, because I heard you talk about the fact that you watch multiple shows, do you miss that? Because I do. Oh, I do. Are you kidding me? And I know them all, too. I thought we were going to go into like a trivia game right now about theme songs. And I was I, I, that's, that's where I was going. Can you <laughs> tell me? Because I had the Jeffersons, I had Sanford and Son, I had good times. Can you tell me some of your favorite theme songs for TV shows? You just hit two of them, you know? You just hit two of them. Those are the, I mean, Sanford and Son and the Jeffersons are two of the most iconic theme songs of all time. You know, I don't really know if I can, if I can top those, honestly. Those were Matter of fact, I was just at a new friend's place. And uh, he's dating a girl. She brings over her dog, and the dog's name was Wheezy. <laughs> Classic. And, they, and I go, did you name your song after the Jeffersons? And they didn't even know what the Jeffersons was. Really? Was like, I'm getting wow. old. <laughs> wow. So you were 26 years old when you landed your breakout role in Desperate Housewives, and congratulations, because you crushed it, killed it. It's become an iconic role. And you spoken publicly about how challenging it was to balance overnight fame along with your body image. And as an athlete, 
I can relate to that because people always talk about our height, our weight, what we're wearing, those type of things. So what are some of the lessons you learned from that time in your life? Wow. Um, yeah, there is a bit of a correlation between, I think, actors and athletes as we get older. I think we just need to learn to not be so hard on ourselves, you know, because I mean, as we get older, you know, we tend you know, to gain a couple pounds. And I think that's OK. You know, the focus needs to be on living a healthy lifestyle. Um, you know, for athletes, you guys got to stay in peak physical condition for performance reasons, you know, and as an actor, especially an actor that played a lot of role, topless roles, you know, I had to stay in peak physical condition for aesthetic reasons. Mm. So I, I think, I don't know about you, but uh, as I've gotten older and started getting older roles, it's a little bit of a relief not to have to be in that kind of shape 24 seven. Absolutely. So if you needed to acknowledge and you've had so many great ones, what are what has been your favorite role and why? My favorite role is still to this day, John Tucker Must Die, because uh, I feel like that film was squarely on my shoulders, although we had a great ensemble cast. And although the film was completely critically panned at the time, it's gone on to become a teen comedy cult classic. And has really stood the time um, over the last couple of generations and passed down from older siblings to younger siblings. And mm -hmm. I think it still stands up to this day. And just so you know, John Tucker Must Die has been called a guilty pleasure by a lot of fans. That movie, literally. So I would like to ask you, as a TV watcher, as an actor, as a producer, as somebody that's really accomplished in the industry, because I've been accused of basically watching 10 or 15 movies, 150 times each. Can you name your personal top five guilty pleasure movies? Wow. Um, I don't know if I can name five of them, but uh, <laughs> I do, I do have a lot of movies. <laughs> that I go back to that bring me comfort, mm. you know, like if you're sick, uh, if you got COVID, you know, and you got to <laughs> right. the house for five days, right. <laughs> what are you going to put on, you know? And I, I'd say the breakfast club for me is one of them. Um, the original top gun mm, is one of them. I used to be obsessed with this movie when I was a kid, this, uh, called real genius, which mm. is like an old, uh, 80s movies. I, I, I really love 80s comedies. I thought they were incredibly well written. I liked how irreverent they were. And I thought the actors of that time period were incredibly talented. You know, if if you look at a team, you know, I, I was obsessed with John Hughes movies, basically. Mm. So, you know, um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, mm -hmm. Breakfast Club, 16 Candles, Pretty in Pink. All those all those movies really had a profound effect on me. So I want to drill down on that a little bit more because that means you are also a student of your craft. And there are so many times people want to be athletes 
or entertainers or actors, but they're not a student of their craft. So can you unpack for them when you say 80s comedies were very profound in your development, like some of the actors and some of the skits that you remember that inspired you? Well, I mean, Anthony Michael Hall, Judd Nelson, I mean, uh, Rob Lowe, you know, uh, Emilio Estevez. They were called the Brat Pack. Or some mm. of some people were classic. members. Classic. Classic. And the, these actors were like, they were legit, man. I mean, no they doubt. were really good actors. That's why they ultimately went on to have the careers that they have. And I, I think, you know, uh, there's there's flashes in the pan and then there's there's people that stand the test of time. And, you know, when it's all said and done, you know, I want to be uh, one of those actors that's remembered. 